The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to Just End the Show, everybody. I have no idea how to act. I have <laughs> I have a podcast about the Jets. It's our job to say words about Jets football. And um, I find myself at, at a loss for words. The New York Jets, it's a cliche to say, shock the football world. But I think it's it's valid in this instance. We shocked, Stun. stunned the football world by beating the Buffalo Bills 20-17. to 17. Kevin, you requested some oxygen during this one? <laughs> I needed some kind of oxygen tank, like when people go up to uh, Colorado and they need extra air. I need, I'm i going to start needing that in fourth quarters if they're going to be hanging around with the Bills. It's too much, man. Yeah. What is happening? No idea what's <laughs> happening with this team right now. This was, without a doubt, their most incredible regular season win in the last, I don't know, 20 years. I'll go as far as to say that, as long as I've been watching, at least. Yeah, this is the biggest one. Biggest one in a while. Definitely biggest of the Just End the Show era. So I can't believe it. I can't believe we're coming out here with a win after the Buffalo game. Unbelievable. Headed into the bye, beating one of the best teams in the league. Is it too late to have Nick on? Can we call him up? It is too late to have Nick on in the sense that I did not ask him. Uh, (laughs) So normally, if you listen to our first season, you would know that we like to have friend of the show, Nick Woten, on. We're talking about the Bills. Let's call him up right now. Nick Wotan is not only a friend of the show, he is the <laughs> editor of USA Today's Bills Wire. He's the only real journalist get we have. But I'm going to be honest, I didn't contact Nick because I thought it was going to be kind of a bummer game. And now that I didn't contact him, no offense to Nick, who we love, <laughs> but uh, I'm kind of glad we don't have any Bills fans on the program because it's not about them. It's about us, Kevin. <laughs> that's yeah, that's not that's not. The show doesn't spell bills, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Dude, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? Was that the most insane and stressful football game that you've ever watched? Or It has to be right up there, right? What? What? It, just yeah. Every moment of that was insane to watch, and I also thought that they would lose. And my FanDuel account can back me up on that. But you know what? I've, I'm always happy to spend money for the Jets to win. So congrats, boys. No, what a what an insane game. This was like, I, I did not expect to uh, have this in our second year of the pod to be talking about the Jets knocking off one of the best teams in the league. I did not anticipate that happening, I have to admit. Yeah, I mean, talk about buying a win. I think I bought two or three wins, but it's okay <laughs> because this was a pretty big one. The Jets knocking off, I mean, arguably the best team in football. I mean, there are some people who are wrong who would say the Eagles. I still think it's the Buffalo Bills. This team is, is incredible. This defense is incredible. I have no idea how to act. <laughs> this team is like uh, Charlie in that episode of It's Always Sunny, where he cuts the brakes on the van. He's like, wild card, bitches. I, this team, we could lose to the Lions. If you, I believe it. You know, we, If you told me we beat the Chiefs, I believe it. This team can beat and lose to anybody. I have no idea what's going on, but it's been an absolutely incredible ride so far, and I can't wait to see how this season turns out. (laughs) 
if we want to get into the specifics a little bit, this is definitely one of the things I texted you during the game. I know it is. That game was an absolute Mike LaFleur masterclass. Yeah. I loved every play that he called. It was either, hey, we're going to run the ball or we're going to throw the ball immediately. We're not even going to give the Bills yeah. ass rushers. We're not even going to give Von Miller a chance to get home to bother Zach, to put him into a mistake. And Zach, to his credit, I mean, he made some mistakes in this game. He wasn't perfect. But to his credit, he game managed the shit out of this game. He executed LaFleur's yeah. game plan almost flawlessly, I would say. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with LaFleur's performance. It, it was outstanding. I, I really think he's found this way to utilize the offense in a way that you can get those kind of long drives that we saw at the end of the game, the the, the long running drive where they start at their own four-yard line and are able to drive down and kick that field goal at the end of the game like that that's that's the kind of uh that's the kind of execution with the game plan that I think is really really incredible and granted you're getting great offensive line performance there on the run plays you're yeah getting i would say questionable defensive uh things on on the bills side of the ball there i i honestly it was very surprising to me that's a whole other argument but yeah it, it this is LaFleur has found this way to, and I, I don't want to say this in a way to diminish Zach, but it's almost like he's found a way to kind of work around sort of Zach's problems. And I, and I think there's a universe where you can uh, kind of watch this game and really, really hype up Zach and Zach's performance. I think you and I are both still a little bit on the skeptic side of that, and there's definitely plays in this game that were very frustrating to me. I don't know how you overthrow Denzel Mims. He's like yeah. really effing tall and <laughs> you just somehow miss him. There's stuff that there's there's um there's things that are are troubling with Zach still that I'm seeing, but you know, I do have to give uh, credit where credit's due. I think he was able to make big throws when they were needed and he was able to come through in the clutch again when they needed similar to what happened in the uh, the Pittsburgh game but the Pittsburgh game is one thing because that's Pittsburgh and right. to do this on to the number 1 defense in the league is incredible and yeah the LaFleur the the whole LaFleur uh game plan it was pretty flawless and I'm just pretty yeah it it's you 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 come out of this and think man there's a light at the end of the tunnel here even if it is sort of limiting Zach to almost not quite Malik Willis levels of sort of like we have to work around this, but some version of in between having, you know, the guy that we were hoping to have in Zach so far and, and this, and I, I think, yeah, you, I think you're right to give LaFleur a lot of the, the benefit for that as well as just, yeah. And this was an A plus coaching game all around from Sala on down to Jeff Ulbrook and LaFleur. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the defensive game plan in this game. The, the, first of all, they held the Buffalo Bills offense to 17 points. Which is insane. Which is incredible. And they started with a botched kickoff and then a huge completion to Diggs. If in that moment, if, like I wasn't live betting, but if it was like, okay, Jets, or, or okay, Bills by 27, just whatever, I'll take whatever you want. You know? Right. It's like, this is obviously over. Yeah. And then you get the pick. And then it's it's a different game, you know, and it just it's like, oh, this is going to be wonky. This is going to be weird. Yeah. Braden Mann slips and falls on the kickoff. The Bills get the ball at about their own 40 yard line. And like you said, immediately throw a bomb of a completion to Diggs, who just posts sauce on a double move. Diggs is so twitchy. He, he just gives him a little like inside out juke move and he's gone. It seems like sauce took it personally. Right. And then you start to think, <laughs> well, here we go. I mean, we want that's the matchup we wanted to see. Right. 
that was the one thing we were going to be watching in a blowout game was Sauce Gardner versus Stefan Diggs, and it's advantage Diggs after one play. And that is not how this game would go. That is not how this game ended. So I want to talk a little bit about the defensive game plan here, because it was obvious to me, especially when I went back and watched the highlights after having watched the game, that this team really did its homework. Yeah. So I want to take you back to the Bills drive first quarter. They get all the way into the red zone, and then Josh throws the interception to Jordan Whitehead. If you go back and watch that play, Jordan Whitehead's assignment is Dawson Knox. I mean, I'm not an X's and O's guy. I'll admit I could be wrong here. I'm not an expert, but it does not seem to me that the Jets are playing zone. It looks like on the play that Whitehead's responsibility is always Knox. He lets him get open. He lets Knox fade to the sideline and then sprints without looking at Dawson, sprints towards the sideline and makes what really looks like an easy interception. When you go back at him, Whitehead baited him. When's the last time you saw a defensive back bait Josh Allen into a turnover? I know. I mean, that just doesn't happen. He let Knox do his thing for about two beats, and then he was on it. He ran the route for him. He knew exactly where where Knox was supposed to be. And when you watch the play you know, live like we were, we were like, what the hell just happened? Did Josh really just do that? It's a soft throw. He flipped it right to Whitehead. What's going on? And later in the game, we see the mirror image of that play. It's the other side of the field, but Sauce does the exact same thing. He starts to cover Singletary out of the backfield, and then right around the time that Josh talks his arm back to throw, you see Sauce immediately fade back and start covering Gabe Davis. Yeah. And Josh throws it right to him, just like he threw it right to Whitehead. And to me, as a as a, a layman football analyst, at least, to me, like that is all doing your homework. That's game film. That's learning and practice. Whitehead and Sauce must have seen that play 10, 12 times in the week leading up to this game. And it really showed. We had a a monster game from Quinn and Williams. We had a great game from C.J. Mosley. And, you know, in addition to Sauce, who was incredible in this game, D.J. Reed had his best game to date, and he's had some great games already. So this was just an an incredible game at, at really at all levels for that group. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And yeah, and Reed was actually on digs throughout a lot of the game as well. So, which was surprising. Which was surprising, but yeah, he definitely deserves big ups for for that because, uh, as we saw in the first play of the game, and uh, even that one kind of completion toward the end, Diggs can be just a total nightmare once he's going downfield. And so, we got to give credit where it's due there. Also, you mentioned the defensive line and and the performance of Williams, but yeah, so many guys just stepping up. We mentioned. Shepard before actually being able to get pressure like guys that we just hadn't seen before and it seems like their kind of rotation strategy of moving people in and out so often it is actually beginning to pay off the dividends that like that that strategy was kind of purported to be coming out of the sort of San Fran model that of, of Salah's defense so that's something that I think is really beyond encouraging i mean they're they're they are i think one of the most elite defenses in the league and to be able to to say that you know considering some of the complaints we had i mean even coming out of the the bengals game this year but particularly last year with all of the the kind of talent deficiencies in the secondary this was the kind of thing that i you know to say that we went into the years thinking this is going to be a step up this defense is going to be good i did not anticipate the this elite level of play and i i agree with you that i think it is a lot of the X's and O's stuff, and I really do think that these guys would run through a wall for Salah. Or it's one of those things that seems cliche when you hear it, but it really does seem like they're energized and 
they went it seems like they definitely went into this game thinking that they were going to win and i i almost think that they might have been the only ones because i you know I, I i didn't think it and you didn't think it but seeing that kind of stuff really points to this being a totally different experience of of watching the jets especially that we've seen on this podcast i mean oh my goodness yeah I don't know if this is a win-now offense, but this is a win-now defense. Yeah. This is as good as the Jets' defense has maybe ever looked in our lifetime. I mean, this is like, this is rivaling those Lex Ryan defenses, and maybe this is recency bias on my part, but I think they're better. I mean, they're number, the number one ranked defense in the NFL going into this week against Buffalo by Pro Football Focus, and we know that probably hasn't changed after looking at this game. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's really again I think yeah it's a credit to both things because you're getting great defensive performances but then you're also seeing I think the strategy really come to life and once you can get that four man rush going when you have a secondary like this it does become a nightmare even for teams like the Bills and one thing that was really surprising to me was that I went into this game both thinking and potentially uh, a uh, uh, maybe uh, betting a little bit <laughs> on the idea that Allen was going to run all over the Jets, I figured, well, you know, even if guys are covered downfield because the secondary is pretty elite, like, I just thought, like, you know, he's going to be moving around and that there's going to be, he's going to be able to get some scrambles. And obviously he had the big touchdown run and he had a few, but, you know, really they, they contained that so well. And it was pretty amazing to watch because it seemed like there were areas where he could have had the ability to scramble and then by the time he almost makes that move, it's like there's four guys standing right there, you know? And, yeah. and that's really a credit to just this kind of speedy and young defense just, and, and, and these players just really stepping up. And it's, it's been, it's been really energizing to watch, man. It's really exciting. I can't believe that they were, even in the situation at the end of the game, I'm like, man, I, I actually think they might get a stop here. Like I, you know, I never think that, you know, right. You actually believed it. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, here we go. Here comes the, we gave him just enough time for the heroic touchdown run. I'm like, I don't know. They've been bossing him around all day. I think that they might win this. So, yeah. So Josh Allen had nine carries in this game. He had 86 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the ground. If you would have told me that Allen was going to rip off nine for 86 and two scores just rushing, I would have said we definitely lost this game by 20 points. Yeah. If you look at Allen's passing statistics, he's 18 for 34. So he's barely, just barely over 50% passing. Yeah. 18 for 34, 205 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. That is not a Josh Allen passing stat line. There's this whole like thing where nobody is throwing downfield, nobody's making these downfield plays, and like the Bills were a team that always were doing that. And so I think right, like right. I thought I mentioned I think in the last pod that I I thought there was a possibility that this was gonna turn into a situation where like the Jets were down fourteen like immediately because there was just like two, you know, big plays and even that thing to Diggs, right at the beginning, I was like, Here we go, this is what I mm-hmm. thought that this was gonna be like right. this kind of thing. So I know it's a cliche to be like, they stepped it up and won at home, but it did kind of feel like that. It did sort of feel like we're not going to lay down to this. And like the idea that putting a read on digs or whatever it is, like you say with the X's and O's stuff, that's maybe a little bit beyond our understanding, the rotation stuff with the defensive line, all of these like little, little tricks, little schemes that are kind of these game within the game things. It feels like for once that's totally pointing in the Jets direction as opposed to being like, even when they had some level of talent being like, yeah, but there's this whole system is kind of out of whack. And this, you know, and even last year, like I was thinking coming out of like that, 
Jonathan Taylor Colts game where we're just like, where do we even go from here? Like this is like this this uh, defense is supposed to be designed around this pressure, and like they then they're not getting that, mm-hmm. and then they're having to blitz and <laughs> giving up all these run yards, and it's horrible. And what's going on? And yeah, I mean to be able to really stifle the offense of potentially the best team in the league, yeah. I think just outright means you're just a, an elite defense. It's not a thing where like the Jets win and we have to kind of point to the other team's deficiencies. It's like, this seems really good. Like the defense is playing really well. Kevin, you talked about the Jets not laying down in this game. Rob Sala coached this game so aggressively on both sides of the ball. It wasn't as if, you know, oh, it's the Bills offense coming in. Keep the safeties back. Keep the lid on. You know, make sure there's no big plays. Sauce and DJ Reed were left one-on-one virtually the entire game in man coverage. We saw a bomb attempt to Diggs that DJ Reed made an incredible play to close ground, catch up on and knock away at the last second. We can talk about the last play of the game, which was another bomb to Gabe Davis that Sauce ultimately ends up knocking away. They weren't playing prevent there. They weren't playing it safe on defense this whole game. They were playing really, really aggressive one-on-one man-to-man defense. And then on offense on the other side of the ball... The fake punt call, like the balls <laughs> that you have to have. And by the way, I loved, loved that call. Yeah. They were at their own what 40-yard line, 35-yard line. They were on their own side of the field. It was a, a third and two. The Jets run up the middle. They get stuffed with Carter. And you figure, oh, man, we got a punt right now. All right, well, at least the defense is playing pretty well. That fake punt gave them so much momentum going forward. You almost knew they were going to score on that drive. The Jets go with the direct snap to our favorite Jet, Austin Davis. Yes. It's the second time they've done a fake punt direct snap to Ashton Davis, by the way, this season. <laughs> he seems to be the guy. He's the personal protector, I guess. That's why he's on the team. We underestimated it. At the beginning of the year, we were like, why is he on yeah. the roster? The answer was fake yeah. punts. No, yeah. And you know what? Uh, sorry about all the bad things we said. Yeah, Ashton. our bad. Our bad on that. We love it. And you know what? There's two <laughs> things. There's two positives we know about Ashton Davis, right? He's fast and he hits hard which doesn't always serve you as a safety if you have no idea where you're supposed to be in coverage, but it does make you a pretty good player on special teams. I think he's really kind of found his niche on this team. And like I said, I love that fake pawn. I love that aggressive play call. Sala was saying, we're going to go toe-to-toe with this team. We're not afraid of them. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at them, and we think that we can beat them. And it was clear that his confidence carried through to all of his players. You look at a Jets drive later in the game, I believe it was in the second half, Kev, they're going for it on fourth down at a time when they really could have kicked a field goal. And what do we always say about these fourth and shorts? It works every time. If you just fake it to the running back and roll out and flip it to the tight end in the flat, that works 100% of the time. Because the defense has to respect the run on fourth and one, on fourth and two. That's exactly the play the Jets call. They line uh-huh. up Zach in the shotgun. He fakes it to Carter, rolls to his right flips the ball to wide open C.J. Uzama. And I'm like, thank you. They finally ran the call that yeah. works every time. Fourth and short. It was just, again, LaFleur's just out here pitching a perfect game. And I just loved how uh, aggressive they were at every level. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the fake punt thing is one of the, it might be the ultimate thing of like, if it goes well, it's genius. If it goes poorly, you're like, why the hell did they run a fake punt? But I agree with you. I'm always they had nothing to lose. They had not, yeah, that's I'm always I'm always on board with that, and especially with a game like this where you're like, 
anticipating that this is a mismatch, you know, what, I mean, they wouldn't say that or whatever, but that's what it is, right? They, they, they're thinking about it being like, mm-hmm. this team's probably got us outmatched a little bit there and, and, or a lot of it <laughs> and in some ways. And we have to, there's certain things that just the games, the game does have to break a certain way. And that's kind of the way football games are, right? It's these sort of three or four things uh, if that that can kind of swing the swing the momentum so to speak and this is one mm-hmm. of those things so i'm always i'm always on board i should say i'm almost always on board with the fake punt maybe there's sometimes i wouldn't do it but like mm-hmm. you know there's uh I, I like the trickery there even the um end around or the uh the kind of jet sweep reverse thing with wilson yeah they're running multiple jet sweeps they're running double reverses yeah and uh, that one, you know, it ends up being kind of a mini nightmare because he fumbles it there and then he has to recover it and then he gets his helmet knocked off and you're like, oh, no, this is. But that even that's like, yeah, that's a pretty cool play. And like he had the option to throw it to Zach. And I, I don't know if that was it wasn't the exact same play. I know that that, that was the one earlier uh, in the season with Barrios throwing to Zach. But mm-hmm. it was that kind of same energy of like, you know, the pitching in the backfield, a little bit of trickery and. It feels like the team just since the Bengals game has had a lot more uh, inventiveness on both sides of the ball. And I don't know if that's uh, a totally accurate thing if you were to go back and break down each play or, you know, each sequence to see. But it seems like there's just been a lot more uh, ingenuity from the coaching staff and like a lot more successful strategizing. And it's really noticeable to watch this team because they have enough talent now like last year we're talking about the talent deficiencies especially defensively that kind of being short up with the good coaching it's like they can hang around with these good teams there's still you know not a hundred percent you know there's still there's still question marks but i think ultimately like they're being able to put it together and especially considering some of the injury luck they've had i i think this was this is pretty amazing it's six and three and they just beat the bills going into a bye week who, who saw that coming so you're not crazy. This offense definitely has gotten more inventive the last few weeks. And I think the timing of that sort of coincides with Zach's return to the offense as opposed to Joe Flacco. I think when we saw Flacco for the first couple of weeks, we kind of had like a meat and potatoes offense because that's probably all Joe could handle because that's what Joe is used to. And you're not going to run this kind of offense with a quarterback that's not mobile. And I think Zach, in theory unlocks this playbook, unlocks this offense. Now, you know, it's been a question of his mental decision-making and things like that, but I think that in theory, Zach's skill set does kind of unlock this playbook for Mike LaFleur, and that was definitely on display as they were running, like, really all sorts of trickery in this game. There was a key third down in the fourth quarter. They run another quick fake to Michael Carter, and Zach throws it immediately into the flat, to Barrios for the first down, kind of like a long handoff, a long running play to the edge. And the pressure was right on top of Zach that whole time, but he gets rid of it again. He gets rid of it so fast that the pressure doesn't have a chance to make that play. Yeah. We saw Zach using his legs in this game, which was just like beyond refreshing. We saw Zach pick up a third and nine in this game with his legs. We saw him pick up a key third and two in the fourth quarter with his legs. We saw... LaFleur call a designed run for Zach at some point in this game. Oh my God, I know. On an RPO. So yeah, really just encouraging that he, he's using his legs more. And so hopefully we see more and more of that going forward. Yeah. We got a catch for Mims, an important catch for Denzel Mims on a third down. We got a catch for Jeff Smith in this game, and we still can't find a single target for Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. We're getting Jeff Smith the ball before Elijah Moore. 
at this point, it kind of feels like it's personal between him and Zach, right? I mean, yeah, I I don't a hundred percent understand it because he he's getting snaps too. Like he is out there. It's not like he's it's out not there. like he's not out there. So I don't. It's very strange, and that might be you know the kind of. Uh, behind the scenes stuff as much as anything else but you know I mean with Wilson also down Corey Davis in this game his connections all kind of went to Garrett Wilson and that was really like exciting to to see those two connecting so I don't know if um, the Elijah Moore situation from his perspective I'm sure is still very much a like why am I not getting targeted here but from a Jets fan perspective I mean to be able to get the ball that much into Garrett Wilson's hands I mean it's really great and 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 just fitting in with the theme of this team being like young and fast like yeah. he's, he's such great in that he's such a great asset in that way so i'm always a proponent for kind of yeah like mixing it up adding a little trickery if you've got a team like this you know it's not going to be if you don't have a guy back there that is you that you can totally trust to make two or three reads, make the right move, do this or that, you might as well move the offense around and do it this way. And especially if you're getting wins, you know, this is this is how to do it. So I think Zach is being utilized exactly the right way. Uh, I think my exact quote to you in our text thread was Zach is a man who shines in the face of no pressure. Like they showed that stat where like mm-hmm. when he's under pressure, he's like two for whatever. But like when he when he isn't, he's he's doing really well. And I was like, well, there you go. You know, I mean, it's, he's uh, yeah. And, and that is also a little bit on him to be able to get the ball out quick, I think, too. But just I think it's mostly LaFleur's thing. I think it's mostly like the game plan around that is like we're not going to put him in harm's way. We're not going to have him being harassed by Von Miller all day. So, yeah. I don't want to give him an A in this game because there were some bad mistakes. There was the misthrow to Conklin, like we talked about, uh, overthrowing Denzel Mims, leaping, who's only 12 feet tall. And then the most egregious Zach error of the day was losing a fumble in the red zone on a Von Miller strip sack. When he's already scrambled close to the edge, he, all he has to do is toss that ball out of bounds or at least hold on to it as he's getting tackled by Von Miller and it ends up being a field goal try there. We don't like turnovers in the red zone, but those are the only three mistakes that I can really clock or reflect on. I'm, he was a game manager extraordinaire. I'm going to give Zach a B and I'm going to give everyone else in this game an A, an A plus. I mean, especially Garrett Wilson, who you already talked about. Garrett Wilson ripped off eight catches for 92 yards. So watching his maturation into like a true number one receiver, I know it probably helps him a little bit on the stat sheet that A, Corey Davis is out, and B, as Bills fans are fond of complaining about on Twitter, they're, they've pretty much got zero defensive backs. I think they're down to their last defensive back at this point. Yeah. But you know what? You still have to make the catches. You still have to run the routes. Zach still has to make the right. throws. You know, my, my thing on that is, yes, the Bills secondary is absolutely beat up, and that absolutely allowed... Garrett Wilson to do what he did in this game to an extent, of course. But try me a river on the injury front. We're Jets fans. We got no Brees <laughs> Hall. We got no Elijah Vera Tucker. We're on our fourth string left tackle. Yeah. I don't want to hear that from them, from Bill's Mafia, as an excuse as to why they lost this game. We don't even talk about, like, it's guys like Becton. We don't even bring that up anymore. Cause it's right. Like, yeah. I, I I agree with you on that, on the on the whole injury front thing. We can uh, we can go toe-to-toe with anybody usually. And, like, yeah, they're missing Brees and Corey Davis who and AVT, who are, like, what, three of their greatest offensive weapons? 
if you're looking at Jets Madden rankings, I don't have the Madden rankings in front of me, but those are three of the Jets' top ten players, right? Yeah. Lori Davis, AVG, <laughs> so, and Brees Hall. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Everybody's a little, it's week, you know, it's week nine going into week ten here. People are, teams are beat up. Let's take a quick break, and then I want to get into the Jets' next matchup, which is after the bye against New England. So coming back, the Jets are not playing next week. They're on the bye, which means we are on the bye as well. But while we're here with you now, we figure we might as well get into their next matchup on November 20th against New England in New England. Now, one of the things we talked about during this Bills game was it's almost as if beating Buffalo makes that New England loss sting even more because really the Jets are now six and three and they should really be seven and two. That New England loss was brutal at the time and it only looks more brutal in retrospect, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you got to think the Jets are going to be out for revenge going into that second game against the Patriots. I know that it's still Belichick versus Zach. I know that the players in some sense have not changed. But I have to believe, looking back at the film and looking back at his performance in the last game, you have to believe that Zach is at least going to somewhat clean up some of the mistakes he made in that first game against New England. He cannot have a repeat performance like he had two weeks ago when he literally threw a winnable game in the trash. I, I, I'm going to kill myself for saying this. I like the Jets November 20th in New England. I actually do. They were the better team a week ago. They're the better team now. And I'm thinking that hopefully Zach and maybe even Sala to an extent has learned from their mistakes and, and will clean some of that up going into their next game. What do you think? Um, I'm not going to go as far as to say that, but that is very bold. I will agree with you on the take. I that... know I'm going to regret that. <laughs> it's uh we'll revisit it at some point but i will agree with you though that the jets are a better team so it's one of those things where it feels like in a better in a situation where you play a team twice if you're a better team you shouldn't lose twice now that's taking the whole belichick and zach and patriots new england baggage out of it but still i it feels like if you're a better team you should be able to at least split a two game set and you know, I get that they're going into New England too, so it's going to be one of those things. But the main aspect of this, I think, is that when you think about the Patriots game, really what cost them that game was stuff that Zach was not doing in this Bills game, which is mm-hmm. spending a lot of time dancing around in the backfield, uh, throwing balls back in, you know, rolling to the sideline and throwing a ball back into play. Like he was able to, on the times he did need to make throws, uh, you know, out of play, he was able to get the ball out of bounds safely and he just wasn't spending a lot of time like you said with the ball in his hands or in the backfield it was either him making a quick read or quick decision or making or you know making a toss or handing off or he was made a few plays with his legs like you said so if I think with that type of game plan if we see the a similar type of game that we saw against the Patriots the first time then the Jets should be able to win this game but we do have to see that, and we also have to, I think, continue to have success defensively in the same way and and not be able to kind of get into a situation where, I, like, I think the key to these Jets' wins so far have been 
being able to like maintain, uh, you know, hanging around in these games and staying close to these games. If you think about the Miami game, really any of the wins, it's it's been about like staying around, staying plucky, being in there. And I think with the Patriots, that was the one time this year where it was like Zach throwing the pick and then the PI, uh, or sorry, not the PI, the um, roughing the passer call kind of like took the wind out of their sails and seemed like it was kind of like a mind trick from Belichick somehow. So to be able to overcome that kind of that kind of thing will be the key, but I yeah, there there's no reason logically why the Jets shouldn't be able to come away with a victory assuming people are healthy and everything's kind of on the right track. So I I like I'm ca- I cautiously like them, but there's a part of me that's like you have to be able to pull out these kind of cl- they're 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 not a, the type of team obviously that can put up a lot of points. So it's like all of these games are going to be close and going to be defense driven. So it's like I don't know. There's a lot of high wire acts coming up in terms of watching again, but the path is there to to more victories like this. I think in the past on this podcast we've labeled games as either winnable or unwinnable, right? We, right. We, we've said, oh, you know, Broncos next week, that's a winnable game. That's out the window. We just beat the Buffalo Bills. There is no there is no such thing as labeling this game, quote, winnable right. or, you know, this game losable. No, no, no. Every game is winnable for this team, which is a weird headspace to be in. We're still the Jets. Yeah. We're not the Kansas <laughs> City Chiefs. Every game is also losable. If we lose to the Lions in a month, also would not be shocked for this team. However... Here are the games that the Jets have remaining, and because we just beat the Buffalo freaking Bills, every one of these teams is beatable. We've got New England on the 20th, and then after the Patriots, it is the Bears, the Vikings, as we finish our four of the uh, NFC North. It's the Bears, the Vikings, Buffalo again on December 11th, the Lions, the Jags, the Seahawks, and finishing up against the Dolphins. Can you not see the Jets winning or losing every single one of those games? I mean, <laughs> Vegas yeah. will pencil us for losses against the Patriots, probably the Vikings, likely. Uh, and then the Dolphins, I would say, I mean, I don't want to predict all the way to January 8th. A lot of things can happen between now and then. But say that game's getting played today, the Dolphins are probably what? Two and a half point favorites over the Jets? Yeah, they're favored. So they're really underdogs in about half of these. And I could see them running the table. I mean, I can't see them running the table. I shouldn't say that. But, like, in theory, they could they could run the table. In theory, none of these teams are as good as the Buffalo Bills, except for, you know, the Buffalo Bills again on December 11th. I cannot believe we're talking about a team that's this deep in the hunt for the playoffs. Not only would the Jets be in the playoffs as a wild card if the playoffs started today, the Jets are half a game back in the division. They have a chance especially if they beat Buffalo a second time, forget about it. You know, they have a chance to win the division, which it's like you could have put the Jets at plus, I don't know, 80,000 going into the year to win the division, and I still wouldn't have taken it, right? (laughs) I know, I know. You did have early dibs on you wanted bets on Patriots last in the division, and now it's looking like that that might be be in play. (laughs) <laughs> it pisses me off that the Patriots have a winning record. It pisses me off that they're even 5-4 and four because they shouldn't be. I they're know. not even that good. So hopefully we put them back to 500 in a couple of weeks. I'm hoping. I was looking, I was looking at the record during the Jets record during the game, and then I looked at the Patriots, and I was like, and they were killing the Colts, and I was like, that is so unfair that if we lose this, we have the same record. So I'm glad we, we edged it yeah. out because that and would I have, can't been, that would have the, been demoralizing. <laughs> super demoralizing. And I can't believe the Patriots got Frank Reich fired. I mean, I can 
it was Belichick versus a quarterback in his second career start. So that was, you know, kind of predictable in that sense. But, uh, yeah, the Patriots got a coach fired this past week. So, you know, another day in the life of Bill Belichick, I guess. Yeah, business as usual. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I was surprised by that, too, but. Uh, I don't know. I think we have we we have a real football team, Seth, and this is like a lot. It's a lot to handle. But yeah, there's that. It is this weird balancing act between you want to start talking about it, but then on the other hand, you're like, mm-hmm. does it all is it all just going to cr- come crumbling down? But I think just even having the competent coaching staff, I think, is like such a such a plus for watching the games. It's like it really makes it it really makes it a lot easier. We've come so far since Adam Gase, Kevin. Oh man! I mean, man. just think about this team two as as two short years ago. It feels like so long ago. Adam Gase feels like a century ago, and that's a yeah. credit to Salah in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who was was James Buchanan president when he was? I can't even remember. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, folks. We didn't anticipate this when we started the podcast. Gonna have to change the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> this team will go as far as our shitty quarterback takes us. <laughs> as long as you don't pressure him, he's your he's your guy. Yeah. I love that they put those stats up on the screen. Oh, look how good it is when you don't pressure him. I'm like, you're just describing what a useless stat. You're just describing every quarterback <laughs> who's ever played is, yes, statistically much better when they're not being pressured. The interesting statistics that CBS put up were the early career comparisons between Josh Allen and Zach Wilson. Yeah. Because that's something we've talked about on this podcast at Nausea when we were Zach apologists either early in this season or during last season. We're saying, nah, small school quarterback trajectory, going to BYU is like going to Wyoming. You know, they're not playing Miami. They're not playing Alabama. They're not playing with a lot of future NFL players. They're not playing against a lot of other future NFL players. Yeah, yeah. He'll get it together in by year three, just like Josh did. And then we went kind of down this road, justifiably so, last few weeks where we didn't think that we'd ever see that version of Zach, and maybe we won't. But I found the statistics they put up on CBS during the game very interesting because I didn't realize yeah. that your you know, first two years, Josh Allen and first two years, Zach Wilson, were that similar. The touchdown-to-interception ratio was staggering. I, like, forgot that Josh ever was that bad. It was – yeah, that was great. Was it the first two – was it first – yeah, it was, like, first 18 games, right, of his career? Yeah, they compared their first 18 yeah. games, yeah. So not even, a year and, and a little bit. And it was, like yeah. – it, it was it – was, yeah, it was pretty startling because I think – you're right. I mean, obviously, we're Jets fans, so we're watching Zach on a week-to-week and, like, with – Josh Allen's first 18 games we weren't like maybe analyzing it as much so like some Bills fan would be like oh yeah that's true but like yeah I did not I did not anticipate how close those actually were so you know that that's something you can that's something you can kind of look at and we're talking about uh the the coaching staff as well like it, when once you're able to kind of fit in I think more with whatever the current regime of coaches is then that that makes things easier because then it's they they know your strengths and the way that you're able to work because I I know like I remember when Josh Allen was like coming into the league I don't even really remember the rushing thing being a huge part of like what he was being talked about but like when but then all of a sudden it was like oh this is like one of the biggest assets in his game so you know it's if there's things like that with Zach we haven't discovered yet then I don't know you know (laughs) there's there's always that possibility and the fact that there's like yeah it was it was very interesting to see those stats I agree with you the one thing uh there it, it almost made up for the fact that they 
effing screwed up the stupid sky cam and like ruined the yeah. momentum of that drive. <laughs> that was that was crazy, and I blame I blame Belichick somehow, even though they weren't playing them. I feel like it was Spygate 2.0. <laughs> He's like, "How are they beating them? I need to rig the sky cam to see what." He zooms in on Robert Sala's head. <laughs> yeah, I need to get a better look at Lafleur's play sheet. Can we move it closer to the window? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, what? What did they even do? Because I couldn't figure it out. Because I switch was switching back and forth the red zone, but they were like, oh, the cable's in the way. And then, so I don't, I don't, I don't even know what it was like. Did they just like actually like snap one of the cables and be like, okay, game on? Like, yeah, I don't know if they took it down after that. I don't know what happened to the sky cam. I don't know. Um, and then they, that was when Zach, and then they came out, there was a penalty, and then Zach fumbled right after that, right? So it was like, damn it, that was another one of those moments. Like, damn it, we're going to screw this up again because of the stupid sky cam? Yeah. The sky cam's going to beat us this time? That's going to wrap things up for another victory edition of Just End the Show. Woo-woo. No pod next week as the Jets are on the bye, and so so are Kevin and myself. But we will be back with you when the Jets play the Patriots on November 20th. Kevin, just end the show. Just-